So we, uh, we continue our sermon series titled uh, God's Desired Future for Exeter Christian Reformed Church. And uh, we're moving on to uh, our third of four questions that we've been asking and will continue to ask as a church. And if you're here visiting with us today, these questions, the four questions that you'll see before you, um, can be applied to your life. Obviously, you'll have different answers to them. They can be applied to your organization. They can be applied to your own churches as well, if you're from other churches. Again, likely with different answers, and these answers are for Exeter Christian Reformed Church. But the questions can be asked by all. And the four questions are, why do we exist How do we behave? What do we do? And how will we succeed? So today we pursue the question and answer, the third question, what do we do? And this is a straightforward question and answer. We as Exeter Christian Reformed Church live out the gospel of Christ, equipping people to daily see and serve the Lord in relationships and creation. We hear the word equipping. Although Dan is pretty good with his Latin, I'm going to challenge him on that one. (laughs) As a response to God's gospel of grace, we are called to live out the gospel of Christ as we equip people to see God at work in themselves, in others, in all of creation around us. We equip people to mature in their faith journey to become disciples of Jesus Christ, that grow in their relationship with Jesus and with others. So today we again look at Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. And as mentioned in a previous message, uh, there were no serious issues in this church in Ephesus. It was good, though, for Paul to write them a letter, to encourage them, to challenge them, and then this letter was often circulated to other area churches as well. So this morning we're going to read from Ephesians 4, which explains practical ways to fulfill God's purpose in the church. Again, we are reminded of Ephesians 5, 10, find out what pleases the Lord. Ephesians 4 gives us some practical ways. Our passage today emphasizes two key things. One of the things that it emphasizes is unity. Unity in the local church. And emphasizes growth and maturity in this unity. Today, we're going to mention, as mentioned, uh, we're going to focus on the equipping and the growing. The importance of unity itself will be discussed when we talk about the fourth question, how will we succeed? We'll be talking more about unity. So Ephesians 4 is where we're going to read from this morning, verses 1 through 16. It'll show up on your screen shortly. And uh, before we do, let's pray. Father God, it's in uh, the Psalm 119 where we read, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So through the power of your Holy Spirit, open our hearts and penetrate our hearts with your holy word so that we will more and more understand your will for our lives and for our church because we want to find out what pleases you. We want to seek you and to seek your word, to be obedient to you and to do your will so that we don't sin against you. So bless the reading from Ephesians and the message that follows. Bless the speaker, bless the listener, so that together we may grow in our faith and become doers of your word. And it's only in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Ephesians 4. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient bearing with one another in love, and make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. 
There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And you can hear the oneness, the unity that's emphasized in this first part. Verse 7, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. And what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. In verse 11, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, and each part does its work. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Ontario has just launched their new license plates with the slogan, A Place to Grow, taking over from the old slogan, Yours to Discover. Commercial plates will have the slogan, Open for Business. And it was about a year ago that uh, people were sharing some of their suggestions, and personally, I thought the most creative one was Ontario, where the leaves fall in the winter. <laughs> okay, well, that's all, that's all that's said. Ontario is still a place to discover, and we're now reminded that it is also a place to grow. And this is very relevant for the church, too. The church is a place to discover. And perhaps some are in that discovery journey. Welcome. Welcome to discovering. And to a certain degree, it is always important to discover. But we cannot remain at the discovery stage. Because there comes a point in our discovering that the church needs to become that place to grow. As followers of Jesus, there is a time to grow. And this is clearly coming out of the message or the passage from Ephesians 4. Verse 1 of Ephesians 4, Paul urges his readers to live a life worthy of your calling. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, we have all been given a calling from the Lord. And this is, calling is just not an invitation from God. It's an appointment from God. This appointing is a divine selection. You are divinely selected members of Christ's body. You are divinely selected members of this church. And we need to take that selection, our role, seriously. As members of this body, and, I, and I'm referring to the local church, we are provided with dis- direct instructions on how to live lives that are worthy to Christ, how to fulfill our calling, how to build Christ's church here on earth, here in Exeter and in our communities. Now, just a brief mention on unity. I think it's important to be reminded 
to know that unity is given. It is given to the believers by Jesus through the Spirit. Unity is a gift of the Spirit. You see, we, we do not create unity. People do not create unity. However, it is important for believers to guard and protect this unity. As verse 3 states, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. You see, the unity is always there for us, but too often we can easily destroy it. And Paul says we are called to maintain this unity in the Spirit. Don't destroy it. We can't create it. We're giving it to, to us as a gift, but we're called to maintain it. The unity is again discussed in verses 12 and 13 where the people are to be equipped. They are to be equipped so that the body of Christ can be built up until we all reach unity. We can maintain unity when we grow and mature as followers of Christ. The church, yours to discover, a place to grow. God has graced this church with several gifts in leadership. And God gives the leaders not to do the work, but to equip people to do the work. Ephesians 4, 11-12, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service, again, so that the body of Christ may be built up. Leaders equip. Leaders equip people. And this is not indicating by any means that leaders do not serve. Throughout Scripture, leaders are called to serve. Leaders are called to be servant leaders. Servant leaders equip servants. Servant leaders equip the saints. They equip God's people. So pastors will equip the saints. Elders will equip the saints. Deacons will equip the saints. Sunday school teachers will equip the saints. And the list goes on. There are many tasks that we're called to do. And one of these tasks is to equip others to do the tasks. Again, next week we're going to be hearing from Romans 12. And we'll hear more about serving, answering this question with relating to what it means to serve. As Paul states in verse 12 of Ephesians 4, that God's people are to be equipped for works of service. Paul doesn't address the maintenance of the building or all the meetings that need to take place. Paul addresses whether God's people are being prepared for ministry, for works of service in the church, not just in the building, but also being church outside in the communities. Are people growing in their faith? Because as the people grow, so too the church will grow. As people are more and more transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ, the church cannot help but grow. You know, when our kids were younger, um, we had a pediatrician that told us to measure our kids at the age of two. So when they turn two, measure them, and you double their height. And that's going to be their height when they grow up to be an adult. And it seems to be quite closely in all our kids. You can use this method or you can search the internet and find other methods and maybe you can put in the height and the weight and the circumference of the head and and come up with the person's estimated physical growth. But for our spiritual growth, there's not a definite, a real calculation or formula. 
And you can Google it all you want. In fact, I, I actually did Google it. How to determine your spiritual growth. And I got 36,800,000 hits. But there was no formula. And I have to be honest, I didn't check all the hits. But I didn't come across any formula. But verses 11 to 12 provide us with the process of, for building one another up. Leaders equipping the saints. And this is what we as Exeter Christian Reformed Church do. We live out the gospel of Jesus Christ, equipping people to daily see and serve the Lord in relationships and creation. So we're members of this body. And again, we don't only seek our own growth, but, which is important, but we all, what is also important, the growth of the whole body of believers. And it's not an increase in numerical growth that's been talked about here that we should initially seek. Rather, we must seek an increase in spiritual growth because the church is a place to grow and we're all on that journey of maturity. And as we said, there is no formula for spiritual growth. It is the Holy Spirit at work and then we being obedient to the Holy Spirit and His work. We responding to what God is doing in our lives and in the church. So there's two questions that we need to ask ourselves. So what are you doing to ensure that you are growing? And how is your growth impacting this church, the body? And those are two questions we need to keep in our mind and ask and challenge ourselves and challenge one another with. When we talk about growth, we are talking about discipleship, or if you want to use the words faith formation or whatever other lingo you might use. And this is nothing new. This is not new stuff. Our calling in life is to be a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus. Our calling in life is not simply that we're able to say, yes, I'm a Christian. I mean, that's cool when we can say that. But our calling in life is to be, to be and grow as a disciple and then to make and grow more disciples. We can say, yes, I'm a Christian. And that means I'm responsible to grow in my relationship with Jesus and encourage other people to grow in their relationship with Jesus. It just doesn't stop at, yes, I'm a Christian. Tom Getman of World uh, Vision, World Vision International, he quotes, it is not our responsibility to make people Christians and to get them baptized into a particular denomination, but rather it's our responsibility to help people decide to follow Jesus and his radical message. Gatman goes on to state, maybe this is why the New Testament writers only use the word Christian three times and the word disciple 269 times. We're called to be disciples. Disciples equip other disciples. Reformed Confession, Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 21, question and answer 55. It asks the question, well, what do you understand by the communion of the saints? And it answers at first that believers, one and all, as members of this community, share in Christ and share in all his treasures, all his gifts. Second, that each member should consider it a duty to use these gifts readily and cheerfully for the service and enrichment of the other members. Not for ourselves, but for the service and enrichment of other members. As children of God, we are called to discover and we are called to grow. We're to grow and ensure that the church also grows. So what grows the church? 
Well, of course, the power of the Holy Spirit. But people grow the church. What prevents the church from growing? Not the Holy Spirit won't prevent the church from growing, but people will also prevent the church from growing. People who choose to remain as infants. Jesus says in Scripture that our faith, our faith needs to be childlike. So our faith needs to be childlike. You can read that in Mark 10, 15. But here Paul is saying that what we do and how we respond in faith cannot be childlike. We cannot remain spiritual infants. We read in verse 13 that we're called to mature. Verse 14, no longer infants. Verse 15, we must continue to mature in the faith. We should no longer be like infants who can't make up our mind. It is time for us, Paul is saying, to mature. Now, we haven't reached our destination, of course. We must recognize that the body of believers, the unified body, must continue to mature and grow. It's an ongoing process, but we don't stay as infants. Hebrews 5, 12 to 14 talks about some infants who, need, uh, who, who do need milk, but also commands that over time, solid foods are required. Infants need to be fed. Adults eat on their own. Spiritual infants need to be fed. There's a time for feeding, equipping. Spiritual adults can eat on their own and equip and lead others and feed others. December 2019, Relevant Magazine stated too many Christians still want a pastor or leader to spoon feed them, telling them what to think, what to read, and so on. And that's not good enough for growing Christians. You absolutely should seek out a church with sound theology and gospel-centered preaching that challenges you. But anyone who has been a Christian for maybe longer than a year should be able, at least partially, to feed themselves. Leaders are called to equip the saints to grow and mature in their faith. As Paul states in verse 14, then we will no longer be infants, being tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Paul's aware back then and also now that there's worldly pressures. And often those pressures are quite subtle. I mean, even nowadays, we're in a fast food and a, and a quick, quickly serve me culture. And we're used to getting what we want and when we want it. Perhaps that's the deceitful scheming that we have bombarding us these days. So many Western churches are, are emptier. Churches are kind of becoming like fast food restaurants when, where people are just saying, oh, I'm going to make my choice here, but then over there, and then it just goes on and on. And this could be a sign of immaturity because the church is a place to grow. We've got to get connected to the body, grow as individuals, but grow the body together. It's not only a place to discover and then discover another and maybe another. Part of being, part of being a, included in the church, part of the growing is working through the anxiety and the creative tensions that exist in all churches, and as Paul says, to maintain unity. On my office whiteboard, I've written the journey to mastering something, or in other words, to growing and maturing. It's not a formula, it's a journey. I didn't come up with this. Um, 
and as you see it, you may see some confusing phrases up there, but listen to the following illustration. It was Jim Harrington and Tricia Taylor, who are pastors and authors of a book um, titled Learning Change, Congregational Transformation Fueled by Personal Renewal. And some of you may have heard this book. Um, And this is what they talk about with respect to mastering something, when, when you become a master of something. Or again, in other words, when you, when you are growing or maturing in your faith. Mastering something or growing in faith is like learning to ride a bicycle. So here we go. If we've never seen someone ride a bike, you've never seen someone ride a bike, what, what, where that is unconsciously incompetent. Because we don't, we're unconscious, we don't know what a bike is. Someone said, hey, you're going to ride a bike? No, I don't know what a bike is. And because we don't know what a bike is, we certainly are incompetent because we wouldn't know how to ride one. Now, once we see somebody riding a bike down the road, we become consciously incompetent. We know what it is to, like, to now ride a bike because we're seeing somebody, but we still don't know how to ride the bike because we haven't been equipped to do so. The third stage is consciously competent. This is where we know about riding bikes, we understand what it is, and then we give it a try. And as we try the task, we then focus on our steering and on our pedaling, and and, uh, balancing is important, of course. And over time, chances are there's still a person holding on to the bike behind us, and then they'll let go, and then we're now consciously competent. Over time, we then just jump on that bike. And we jump on that bike, and we don't even give it any thought that, oh, do I got my feet on the right pedals? How do I balance? How do I steer? We just jump on the bike. It's like just part of us. We don't even give it any thought to to any part of it, really. It becomes just what we do. And that's unconsciously competent. And that is the fourth level of mastery, of mastering a certain thing in our life. It's not just, it doesn't, it's not just a new behavior. It's a new way of being. And that's what our growth journey, our faith journey is like. And there's all different stages. And we have to strive for that fourth stage. It's no longer discovering what seems so impossible but it's doing the impossible with the power of God, of the Holy Spirit at work in us. Because our God can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. Dan brought up prayer in the children's message this morning. We've got to pray. We've got to ask God, show your power in me. Show your power in us. Grow us as a body. Growth occurs by being immersed in the community. You see, not growing, it's not an option. I mean, I guess it is an option, and Scripture refers to that option as lukewarmness. And what does it say? With lukewarmness, churches, God will spit people out of his mouth. If you decide not to grow, you're also making that decision for the body. And you need to understand the consequences of your decision for yourself and for others. You see, God gave us way too much for us to be stagnant in our spiritual growth and to be stagnant in his church. 
We're never to be stagnant. We are always called to seek God, to seek God's emerging future, to seek His will, to find out what pleases the Lord. Because we can never take the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ, for granted. And He calls us to celebrate the gifts of grace and the gift of love that He gives to each of us. Let's celebrate the gifts of His people. And let's use these gifts together, equipping one another, equipping the saints, building the body of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit that is in us and upon us to the glory of God. Exeter Christian Reformed Church, yours to discover. Exeter Christian Reformed Church, a place to grow. To God be the glory, and together we say, Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, you've provided leaders for this church. And you've provided people with all sorts of gifts. And we thank you for that. And we pray for leaders in various capacities, whether it's pastors, elders, deacons, teachers, administration, and so many others. And we ask that each leader will perform their task obediently and in thankfulness. And will also equip others to do the same for your glory, to find out what pleases you. Through your spirit, work in your people to empower and equip and encourage others to take the tasks that are upon them. Lord, we want to grow in our faith and grow in our spiritual health as individuals and as your body. Help us to seek you, to seek what pleases you, so that our church here in Exeter may flourish and mature. May this be a place to grow. In the name of Jesus and to the glory of God. Amen.